Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Our heroes have just under two weeks before the epic concert of legendary bardic instruments is going to take place. And in that time, they each indulge in some downtime on their own. In this episode, we're following Travancore and Bernie, who both decide to go out on a date with someone they know. Travancore, over the break, uh, about a week and a half, you had said that one of the main things you wanted to do was to get together with Olivia Passerac. And you had specified that you were looking for, like, a private room in a restaurant for lunch kind of thing. Have a chance to, to like talk. Like a, okay. a, a ring the bell to come in kind of situation, I figure, would be best. Okay. Where you end up, she's 100% behind this idea when you present it to her. And so where you end up is a place called The Maiden's Tears. Which you've had, you have heard of before. You've actually been to. It's been a very long time. It is a high-end wine bar, but that also serves a variety of lunches and, you know, like charcuterie-style boards and things like that. And they have, because they are kind of a, a slightly snooty establishment, they have got plenty of private rooms that you can reserve so that the two of you can have a little bit of privacy while still being able to get out and about. And so we join the lunch, I think, a few minutes in. You've already had a chance to talk with her if you've picked her up from her estate, come to the wine bar, sat down, kind of had a little bit of small talk as, as the hors d'oeuvres are being served, as a little bit of wine is being served. And then as the, the person who is serving you leaves you in to be by yourself for a little bit, she looks over at you and says, so. Was there anything in specific you wanted to talk about, or did you want to regale me with what was going on the last couple of weeks? You've been busy. Before Travancore says anything, he reaches into his bag and he puts the lantern revealing onto the, uh, the table. She gives it a little bit of a startled look. I'll say first, so the lantern revealing is invisible things and, like, doppelgangers and basically shape changers and things is that what it is i think that's the one where you can see someone's scrying on you basically that's yeah, kind of it's it. invisible well it's invisible things in right. general which includes that scrying sensor okay yeah do you kind of give it a pass around the room yeah pretty much and if she asks any questions while i'm doing it, i say occupational hazard she she does look surprised and i'll say something real quick and then i want you to roll an insight check sure you don't notice anything. Nothing, nothing gets revealed by your lantern or revealing. Okay. Fair enough. I put it away once I, I come to that conclusion. So insight? Yeah. Cool. Badoom. Seven. Okay. That's about right. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're a little distracted looking for invisible scrying sensors. She's a little surprised. Yeah. Well. Occupational hazard. Were you worried about anything in specific? I just wanted to make sure that, you know... And neither of us had anyone keep looking over our shoulder, so to speak. It's it's happened before. You'll you'll indulge a little paranoia from a from a fate changer. It's not paranoia if it's true. I mean, you are getting to become a rather famous adventurer in Waterdeep, and I'm a noblewoman. Yeah, we're going to have people looking over our shoulders all the time. Yeah, that's uh, 
that's kind of the gig that I'm learning. So a couple reasons I didn't want to see you, mainly because it's good to connect with somebody who isn't a coworker. I I love my party. I love Jonathan. I love Bernie. I love Carlton. But you know they work alongside me. It's important to have someone in your life who you can connect to that isn't someone you're sort of in life and death struggles with per se. That's true. And it has been a while since we've seen each other, and it's good to catch up. And I hear stuff from you that I don't get to hear in my circles. And I hope I'm able to offer the same to you. Yeah, sounds good to me. So I fought a Yugoloth, and Travacour is actually going to go into... He's going to put his cards on the table. He's actually going to tell Olivia everything. Okay. I'm going to ask a couple of very specific questions about that everything. Okay. Because there's been a lot. So the last time you saw her was weeks and weeks and weeks ago. So you've been to the Plain of Water... You got rid of the the amulet that was tied to your family. There's been the whole thing with with uh, Thontorvrak with the basically. I think the last time you saw her was yeah, it was a while ago. So I've I've two main questions for you. Okay. Do you leave out everything about the Bastion of the Last Corruption? Yes, that's not that's privileged information. It's not relevant to the story. Like it's important not to reveal that. Okay. So I will just assume that you, do you still want to tell the story of destroying the amulet? I'll mention that the errand needed to be done, but that there was someone in the way of it. And that, you know, that's kind of privileged. I I won't go any further. I won't lie to her, but I'm not going to also volunteer the details of something that that I can't reveal to without dire consequences for the whole planet. Okay. And is there anything else that you intend? intentionally leave out whether it's about Thontorvrak or your trip to the plane of water or any of that no she gets the story she gets uh how travancore's family came into power the deal we made all the places we went all the places we did the only things that get left out are the things that have dire consequences if i reveal them specifically the only thing i can think of is the uh the bastion of the last corruption because okay that's not anybody's business travancore doesn't want to even know about it to be honest and as far as Olivia is concerned, when you mention, the way I imagine you mention it is that is privileged information, that there are things you can't talk about. She does not pry. She accepts it on face value and just nods and goes on. And, and your passive insight, and, and she says this as well, picks up that she is very used to people who are trying to tell information with that and need to keep things private. And that she she even says at one point, I appreciate the fact that you even trust me with telling me that it is privileged information. And I, I, I can respect that there are secrets that are not your own that you need to keep. However, on a slightly different topic, if you want to talk a little bit more about what happened with your family and you, that's that there's a lot there. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I'm glad that you got that all figured out. But what interests me is this this concert that's coming up, actually. I've heard about this. Are you going? I love music. So, yeah. I was thinking about going myself. It came on very suddenly. So, I mean, if you're going, and I'm going, there's no reason we couldn't go together. Travancore, are you asking me on a date? Yeah. I think I would love to go, then. I think I would be excited to go. As far as I know, this concert is supposed to be taking place right around noon. 
as it's still a little cold, still a little chilly, so an outdoor concert is still quite a thing. At least now I kind of understand why it's an outdoor concert, but uh, maybe we have a little bit of breakfast and then go to the concert together. I'm not one to say no to breakfast. That sounds good. I think I can secure some pretty nice seats. And she looks concerned for a moment, and then she says, Your friends are welcome to come along, but I would assume, if this is a date, it's just going to be the, the two of us. Uh, maybe also Shadow. I understand if Shadow wants to come along. I assume Shadow is in the room when we're talking when we're eating. <laughs> oh, I'm assuming Shadow is right yeah. there. Yeah. 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 I, and I look at Shadow and I say, Yeah, everyone... <laughs> He goes where I go. He's a part of me and I am a part of him. And Olivia reaches down and for the first time since you have all known each other, she scratches him behind the ear without hesitation. And he he had been kind of like lying half asleep next to all of you, trying to be on his best behavior in this fancy schmancy restaurant. But at the scratch, he leans into it a little bit and Olivia smiles and says, I think that'd be very nice. I will make arrangements to have breakfast ready at my place, and we'll have a little bit of a, a breakfast before we go to the concert. That sounds lovely. Excellent. Do you know what they're playing? Oh, I feel like with those instruments, it almost doesn't matter. That's true. That is a lot of magic in one place, though. Yeah. That's kind of exciting. Maybe it's an original work. I'll see if I can find out. I'm not very conversant with music in general, especially not of the bar kind. So a more formalized concert I'm not as familiar with. So I'll see what I can find out for you. Because I'd be excited to know if it's something that I know, or we can maybe listen to it ahead of time if it's not something brand new. Sounds good to me. I look forward to seeing what you can find out. You've been down for a couple of, couple of weeks now. Probably build a nice little network. I'm working on it. It is difficult. These nobles are not necessarily the crowd I want to hang out with. I was much more comfortable riding around an Amphale, to be honest, even though that was a difficult time. It's been, it's been difficult to restrain my impulses in polite society. Let's put it that way. Sometimes you want to say something and the way you say it is more important than what you say. And I've had to bite my tongue a few times when people are being <sighs> difficult. Let's say difficult. That's me biting my tongue right there. Mm. You're probably familiar with that too. I get some of that back home and a little bit of it here. Hopefully not too much. Well, I think people are on their best behavior to an extent when they're around, uh, when they're around me sometimes. Other times they end up dead. I wish I had that ability to just... Make those who aren't on their best behavior dead. That would be very gratifying sometimes, especially some of the bad behavior that I've seen. It is, it is sad, people who have all of the power and the money in the world, who then seem to think that it is a shield from being absolute assholes. I remember Aunt Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to forget it, but every once in a while... I have a meal with someone who isn't like you, and I have to spend more of it biting my tongue than biting my food. And she, she takes a drink of her wine, uh, like a big swig. Oh. And then Travancore raises a glass and saying, here's hoping you're able to keep better company going forward. I already am. And you clink glasses, 
Is there anything else you would like to talk about in this meal or would you like to leave it there with plans for a breakfast and concert? I think I gotten a lot out of this conversation, so I'm not going to press my luck any further. I, I love it. I love it. And so we will leave it there with a promise of breakfast and a concert and Olivia uh, looking to find out what they're going to be playing with all those fancy schmancy instruments. Ooh, I love all this. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on January 16th at 8pm Pacific. So open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. L-A-S-H-K-O-F-F-R-O-A-N So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. So over the break, before the performance is going to happen, you had wanted to do a couple of things. But the main thing you wanted to do, and the main thing you, you started actually to do already, was go on a date with Thontor of Rack. Now, my first question is, are we, are we calling it a date? Thontor of Rack has called it a date, and you didn't say no. But does Bernie consider this a potentially romantic connection of two people, or is this absolutely just... Two people getting together to go see to go see where a concert might be taking place. Well, okay. Does she? That's a really good question. Because like mm -hmm. look, what was in my mind was like Thontorvac as the person and something that Lauren and I actually were just talking about, which is like and we view him as evil because he is this kind of dragon. But if you take away that, the job we do for him is getting an instrument the thing he wants is an instrument and not only that he'd really like to listen to it be played and if you like if like this job had been given to us by an elf or a halfling or even like an orc we wouldn't have this like suspectness now this is a person who as lauren pointed out to me uh has no qualms with how he uh gets leverage over us to do that job my money would have been fine by the way <laughs> and and we once again pointed out that that has that him being a manipulative asshole has zero to do with what color dragon he is and 100 yeah. percent to do with he's an egotistical manipulative bastard who also is not necessarily a totally bad person yeah creature but he's got he's got depth he's he's got he contains multitudes but all this is to say that bernie is not attracted to him because she is a dragon she's not thought about the attraction we have established that her order is not an order that is celibate so mm -hmm. bernie's 42 i'll let you figure out that she has had a love life i mean that's totally up to you no she has she has you mm -hmm. got this is a this is a girl that used to go to bars with her best friend and help them. Watch your best friend beat people while up. Best and, friend beat people yeah. up. Bernie had to do something after you, after you 
convince people to bet on somebody. You got a lot of time. Like, she was gonna, Bernie was gonna enjoy herself however she wanted. But all that is to say, she has not, until the point when Thontervac was like, is this a date? Bernie was like, dang, you know, Thontervac comes into the city as a dragon, but if he can make himself in a uh, humanoid or elvenoid or half lenoid or nomenoid, <laughs> if he can make himself not a dragon and be a bipedal creature, we can go do fun things in the city. Like, mostly she was just like, yeah, I'm I'm feeling petty. All my friends are feeling really moral. I don't really want to hang out with people who won't let me be my worst self. Mm. So this is this mostly selfish motivations to a degree, but also me, Julia the player, has uh, interesting questions that she wants Barney to ask. Okay, all right. So date, but with a small D. Date with a small D. Like when okay. you got your friend, you're like, hey, you know, you want to go on a date with me and we are going to go shuffle around Target in our sweatpants and buy things we don't need. And your friend is like, yes, please. Okay. All right. There are layers to this, but it is not necessarily romance isn't the top no. list thing. Okay. Depends That's on good how for- hot you make Thontor bag. We're going to find out if Bernie has a type. <laughs> Hey, listen, as you've also pointed out, sometimes the attractiveness of a creature has nothing to do with their outward appearance. And so or it, it does, is, but it's what you like about their outward appearance. This is this is true. So it is with that as Bernie is sitting in the bottom of the Golden Rock Tavern finishing up some breakfast that she looks up to notice a stranger walk in that she can't quite figure out why she's suddenly focused on this male dwarf that's walked on in. He seems to be an attractive dwarf, kind of darker skin, black hair that's got that bluish shimmer to it, kind of like raven feathers do. And he's wearing the fine robes of what looks like a merchant of some sort. He's carrying himself very proudly, looks over at Gestock, nods and gives a little bit of a smile and then just walks right up to you. Bernie has been um, teaching Coco Snoot to bounce bacon on his nose. Okay. Uh, They've gone through like a plate of bacon and she's like, you are going to have the wateriest poops later from this. But you know, we've almost got it. And Coco Snoot is just like, the bacon's on his nose for like half a second. He may let's it fall on the ground and eats it. And then she looks at do I need a roll to see, like, because I feel like from your description, Bernie might get it. Uh, you don't need to because as you look up into the the dark, almost brownish black eyes of this dwarf, the voice that comes out is immediately Thontervrak and you hear, Bernice, it is lovely to see you. I did not know you were going to be teaching your dog tricks. And he just sits in the booth across the table from you without prompting. We're working on the bacon balance this morning, but what I think I've taught my dog is how to fail up. That is a very good skill, and good to start with bacon. Actually, that is a good thing. Um, uh, sir, and you look back over at Gestock, who is paused in his cooking, and is now, give me an insight check. Okay. That's an 11. <laughs> okay. He's, Gestock looks... Worried? Maybe? You're a little unsure. This is not the normal smiling Gestock with a new customer that you're used to. He's looking at this dwarf and is concerned. 
gonna wave. She's gonna be like, it's all good, I think. And she looks at Thontrovite. She goes, I think we need another plate of bacon. Oh, oh what, whatever Bernice is having, I'll have uh, the same. What, what, did, what did you get, actually? We're about 14 cups of tea in this morning. And in that form, you could do it. You just, the bladder control comes later, honestly. But, you know, I, you know that Gisak actually, he's got some hidden talents. He makes a lot, he, like, I don't want to tell you this. Like, he makes a lot of stuff that he knows he can scale. But ask him for one of the chocolate chip scones. They're very good. He doesn't make them all the time, but he's making them a lot more recently. And if he's got any more, you might want to get one or 17. Just one or 17, nothing in between. Well, you know, you pick what you think you're hungry for and don't let me dictate what you eat. I'm not necessarily looking for a dictation, but a, a recommendation. But that sounds good. Um, Yes, Gestock. And he once again leans on over and Gestock is still just like paused looking at this dwarf who then says, uh, one of those chocolate chip stones. Um, scones? Scones. Scones. I'll take one of those. Like, thank you. A biscuit, but with sugar. It will be a sweet start to the day. And eventually Gestock goes and grabs the scone and brings it over on a plate. And once again, delivers it and walks away without saying anything. Just looks confused. You have reason to believe why he might look confused, but you can't really tell what's confusing him specifically. As Gestock wanders away, and the being that you know is Thantorvrak leans forward and more quietly says, so I guess I should introduce myself because you're not necessarily going to be using the name that you are used to. Actually, what would you like to go by today? Because I imagine there would be um, certain people, the kind that have lots of pointy, sharp things and magic stuff to throw at you that might not take too kindly to what we're doing. So... Or you might be surprised. Some of them that might put away their pointy things and want to go traversing through the city of the dead like we are. Either way, and... He stands back up. He gets out of the booth and stands back up and gives you a very lovely but a bit extravagant of a bow, almost miming taking off a hat and says, Oscar Morrigan at your service. All right, Mr. Morrigan, are you okay with Oscar? Well, since we are such old friends, it would be weird for you to call me Mr., wouldn't it? Look, all I'm saying is, Everybody's got their own naming boundaries. Then Oscar it is. And he sits back down and starts to eat the scone. So, what's on the agenda for this morning? As I don't have anything going on until the afternoon. Fair point. Bernie's going to look back over at Gestock and she's going to say, Do you know that one time Death came in here and had breakfast with my friends? And I really don't think he was as concerned then as he is now about you. What? does that say? Oscar gives Gestock another look, who's finally stopped glaring at him and has gone back to his normal kitchen routine and then looks back at you, Bernie, and says, you know, the problem is sometimes people don't like what they don't know. And there are some people who know death. They're very familiar with it. So they're not as concerned 
the unknown concerns people, and I am I'm very unknown, at least to your friend over there. And that's perfectly fine with me. I am I'm not here to go on a a promotional tour. I am being incognito. Yes, and can I say, I do appreciate you choosing a form that's actually more on my side of the height scale, though kudos to you for making sure you chose one that was still taller than me. Message received. I'm not going to lie, I did think about some of the aspects of myself that I've taken on that were on the shorter scale of the humanoid mm, existence. Shorter scale. Get it. Scale. <laughs> You know, to make the conversation easier, definitely. I wasn't looking at the tiny differences, though, and I haven't ever been a gnome, and I didn't want to get anything wrong and accidentally offend. I would rather offend on purpose. Honestly, yeah, me too, because then you really know how to, like, Then no one is surprised, or at least I'm not. Well, you know, there's not, well, there is a weekend. If you want to go meet some gnomes and get a really, really good cross-section of us, there actually is an enclave in the city. And I know a place, and Bernie looks over to see if Gestock's listening again. And she goes, I know a place that makes basically the best tea. Gestock makes really good tea, but this is, well, this is practically a biblical experience. She says, thinking about the fact that it is a temple where she gets the tea. And they love, love, love when Coco Snoot comes to visit. So if you were worried about offending the next time you wanted to be a gnome, you can get a nice cross-section. There's not a lot of, aside from being tiny, there's not a lot of stereotypes that people have about us. There's not a lot that people know about us. Actually, if you think about it, they kind of forget. I mean, we're little. We kind of literally fly under the radar. But that's also good, isn't it? Once again, the unknown can be to your advantage if you are the one that no one knows. I imagine, though, for someone who is naturally so big, it must feel like trying to pack too many clothes in a too small suitcase. I can't say that it feels wrong or different. This is a kind of magic that I don't feel squished at all. I definitely have to remember that I don't have quite as many appendages, and the lack of being able to fly is very boring. I don't know how you stand it. But I guess one must do what the locals do, and thus we will walk through the City of the Dead. It's brisk. But okay, it's the City of the Dead. Did you really think flying was going to be the best way to get around? Flying is always the best way to get around. I can fly anywhere I want and not have to worry about this. And he points down at his feet, which are in very nice boots. And he does it in kind of that dismissive way as though they're kind of disgusting. And he he gives it a flourish and says, seems so slow. But as I said, I am here not to fly above everybody, but to walk amongst and chat with you and see what you wanted to chat about. Mm. It is not often that I have somebody who is making plans with me without my oversight. It's a new feeling, isn't it? It's been a while. It's the unknown again. I don't know if I like being the one who doesn't know. So excited and scared. Pretty good combo. Now tell me, I don't know a lot about dragons. That's sort of Travancore's 
jam and i don't even know that he knew that you could do this so the only other dragon that we met well we met this undead dragon i don't think that counts because that one was a skeleton no that does not count at all those are not even dragons anymore that's some undead monstrosity yeah it was just sort of very angry bones very angry but a lot of them are just very angry bones at that point and that's actually a professional definition if you think about it the only other dragon we met and i almost feel a little bad that we did this to you the grumpy one this antisocial oh the one on the plane of water that you actually got the instrument from yeah are there a lot of you because i mean you can fly you are rather large it doesn't seem like you actually do the whole horde stuff in a cave unless you have a really nice cave because you're very, you know, you're anti-walking. But I was going to ask you if you'd ever actually spent that much time under the ground because most necropolises are. They're above ground, but the, the good stuff's underneath. Well, in this case, the reason I want to go to the City of the Dead is that's where the concert's going to be happening. And I want to, unless my intel is wrong and the concert is actually happening down in one of the mausoleums, I believe it's happening above ground. And so in this case, I don't know how exciting the necropolis is under Waterdeep, but I'm just interested in seeing the above ground portions. Now, we might end up in a necropolis. I don't know what's going to happen when we get there, but it's not something I'm that interested in. Old bones don't interest me. I'm much more interested in those that are still living and talking and able to do things. We can actually make the old bones talk and do things. I've got a few spells that can be useful in that front. Yeah, so we'll go over there. We'll get like a, a tea or a hot chocolate to go and we'll walk over because it's cold. But we are going to have to do a few... Can you be respectful? Is that on the is that in the repertoire if need be? It depends on who I must give respect to. Okay, yeah, that's that's gonna be so okay. Remember in school or anytime look, I grew up in an area where people prayed in school sometimes, and that was I'm religious as my job, and I found that one a little much. And you know how sometimes you are just not willing to get into it, so you sort of bow your head and stare at your navel and kind of mumble whatever you feel like, or you put your hand on your heart and you go, oh, all right, let's do this. It matters to you, but it doesn't not matter enough to me that I'm going to be a dick about it. Honestly, no, I'm not at all familiar with any of this. This will be a new experience for you then, um, because when we go in... Into what? The city of the dead is a place where the dead live. When you walk into a place where people bury their dead, you must be prepared to be respectful to the customs that other people hold around their dead, whether or not their belief system is real. And I will say at this point, Bernie, you do know that you're not wrong in any of this, but that the City of the Dead specifically is basically an entire ward. It's not just a cemetery, but okay, it's like- Okay, you had me thinking about like a literal necropolis. I was thinking- You're not wrong. You're you're 100% not wrong. So, but the difference is in Waterdeep, the City of the Dead is basically a, a ward, a, a section of Waterdeep. It's not just a cemetery. Like, there are mausoleums, there is kind of a necropolis. I was very concerned that this concert was happening 
So I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, Lauren's just going like a Day of the Dead route where people have Ah. like picnics. And I just assumed the City of the Dead was like, in my head, I was like, okay, we're doing like more of a Dia de los Muertos where it's like, okay, people go and visit their dead and they have gifts and ofrendas. And I thought, well, maybe this is one of those situations where the city, the literal city of Waterdeep is so old and the different kinds of creatures who've lived there for so long have created such a massive necropolis with which to hold their dead. But, like, I just assumed there would be, like... And then I was like, I guess there must be some kind of amphitheater in there, and it's a big... You know, like, I was trying to figure out why people had concerts in there, and I was like, you know what? Death beliefs are interesting. Well, and and you are both right and wrong. So Waterdeep, because of the fact that so many people live there and they've lived there for so long... That yes, people who live there don't actually bury their dead in the city of the dead anymore. They're all entombed in mausoleums, and some of them are actually basically sent to like interdimensional spaces where people are taken and mourned. The city of the dead, while it is this grand cemetery in in a sense, it's also kind of a park space. It's got grassy hills. It's got flower beds. It's got clusters of trees and bushes. It's got sculptures. There's a couple of really large statues. This is that like people... an arboretum in combination with. This is very yeah. Actually, if you've ever been to Arlington Cemetery, this is a similar descriptor. It's far out from DC yeah. and yeah, Arlington with a side of Central Park. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's called the City of the Dead because there is the the mausoleums and everything there. But it's it's way more than that. And because it is Some very nice house, very nice house or half elf named Frank Law Olmstead came in and said, I'm going to branch out into graveyards. There you go. There you go. And like going there to have a picnic or stroll through on a on a really pretty day is kind of a, a very normal thing for Waterhavians to do because it is the main place within walking distance within Waterdeep that is this big grassy area. So the idea that they're going to set up a concert, they're going to set up a stage and seats for the concert there makes sense in a couple of different ways to you. Yeah, okay. So this is, okay, actually more Prospect Park in the summertime. Exactly. Okay. So what I guess what Bernie will say is like, old important dead live here. And while most people come here for fun, there is a chance that we will come by people who aren't visiting their recent dead, but are visiting ancestral dead. You have to be nice when people are visiting ancestral dead, okay? Am I required to talk to people who no. are mourning? Well, then no. that'll be fine. We'll just. I'm not looking to interfere with anyone's burial practices. It seems boring and unnecessary. No, I just I want to stroll the area, and I'd like to take. As close of a look as possible to where they are building the stage that the performance is going to be happening. It will be a lot easier for me to decide how I would like to attend the performance if I can scope things out ahead of time. And I was thinking about that anyway. And then your call came in at a very appropriate moment. And so here we are. Am I not dressed for the jaunt? You look very nice. You will Thank look you. very important, and when we scope everything out, 
look, you look like you were in charge and anybody who is working on it likely will not ask any questions. And all you really have to do in most of these situations is look like you belong. Well, that's because I do belong. And so that'll be easy. Perfect. We should get Gestalt to pack some snacks because the dwarven being that you chose to be generally can eat as much as Carlton. So we'll get like a to-go bag and some snacks and we can go see the progress and enjoy the city. Is it still winter? Is it spring-ish? It's spring-ish, and the reason, one of the reasons that you know the concert has been scheduled is because there's finally been a break in the weather. So it's chilly, but not, it's no longer freezing. It's no longer actively snowing. In fact, it's, it's been kind of a nice couple of days. And while there is still the giant piles of snow from where they've been pushed off of roadways and removed off of houses, they're mostly just the piles that are still melting. I mean, uh, you, you are April familiar with Ottawa. The, Exactly, exactly. It's June in Buffalo and where there's still like a foot tall <laughs> oh, mound of snow, snow, even though it's like 60 degrees outside because there's you know, packed snow. Tulips coming up and it'll be, it'll be, it'll literally be what it is like walking through the Ottawa Arboretum in late yep. April as the tulips are coming up. And yet over on the left is the parking lot snow, dirty snow mountain. Exactly. You're going at the warmest part of the day. You're going in kind of morning, early afternoon when the sun will be out. It won't be too bad, but it still gets chilly at night. So yeah, you are able to get, if you want to get some snacks, Oscar actually declines the snacks, but does get some tea to go and seems to take a little bit of delight in asking Gestock for tea, especially after what you've just said, what you said earlier that Gestock didn't hear. And he's just like, yes, whatever you have in store. Door. I'm not looking for anything specific, but definitely in a to-go cup, we're going to go. And this bothers Gestock, obviously. But once again, you see a confusion on his face? Like he doesn't quite understand what the hell is going on? Bernie says, Gestock, you know the jasmine green tea that you got a while back? We'll take yeah, I got two, a little bit of that left. Two of those, please. And what is so 20 ounces in milliliters. I assume they use the metric system in Faerun. <laughs> Unfortunately, the people who created Faerun lived in America, so they do not, they use cups. And then, the, <laughs> like, put it, yeah, just whatever you have left in the biggest two cups that it'll fit in without diluting the flavor to the point of making it pointless. All right, all right, yeah, yeah, hold on a second. And he gets you two cups that... Oscar obediently grabs and watches you as you pick it up and kind of do the tea thing and where you put both your hands around it to keep them warm as you go outside. He does the same thing almost gleefully. It's not patronizing. You can tell he's not being patronizing, but it is a he's making a little bit of poking fun, just a tiny bit. But it also is he's kind of enjoying the moment. And you begin to walk through the streets of Waterdeep, which are teeming a bit. But if you would like to have a conversation as you walk, I will say that the two of you could keep your voices low enough and avoid enough people that you won't be overheard. Is there anything you want to talk about on the way there? Because otherwise, Oscar is is rubbernecking. <laughs> uh, Bernie, Bernie, after like holding her 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 tea close. And waiting and waiting and waiting. She starts looking to like see when he's going to sip his tea. And then she starts doing the thing that you kind of blow a little on the tea through the like tiny little sippy hole. And she assumes that he also starts doing that. 
And she's just like, how often do you do this? Do what? You'll have to be more specific. Bernie gestures to the whole, to like him. And she says, this. Oh, well, I haven't worn this outfit in about 45 years. I don't know if that's, if you'd consider that recent or not. It's my entire life, plus a few, yeah. But once again, my understanding is gnomes live for quite a much longer time than elves and dwarves, so you should be thinking about it on a much grander scale. Just because you're young doesn't mean you'll be young forever. Oh no, trust me, that's actually... Well, here's the thing, it's still my entire life, plus a few. Do you feel the cold? Is this for funsies? Is she kind of like cups her hands back around the tea? I would be interested to know if you feel the heat, given you can, I think, create a lot of it. If I want to, I think that would probably scare a lot of people here, and that's not the point. No. But yes, I do, absolutely. I mean, I've taken on this, even if I hadn't taken on this form, I can feel the heat and the cold just like anybody else can. I'm, I am assuming that this fleshy bits would eventually get into some trouble if it was to get too hot or too cold. But eventually I'd just turn back into myself and everything would be fine. So it doesn't really matter, does it? As long as it doesn't hurt, I don't care. Of course. I don't know. I didn't know if you retained, um, if it was more for show or if, if the, um, the nervous system sort of rewrote itself as you collapsed, changed. One time I was a very large ape for a little while and I guess I didn't really pay much attention to how things changed. I was sort of running around chasing shit. And now I kind of regret that I didn't pay attention because I don't think Jonathan's going to readily turn me back into a very large ape at the drop of a hat. Well, let me, let me ask, because I know that Travancore has some druidic magic and he can transform into other creatures. Is that correct? Yeah, he can. It's new. He's, it's new. This is a new, that, that thing is new for him. Good to learn new skills even later in life. But you said that the last time that you were an ape that Jonathan did it. Let me guess, it was with a specific kind of spell. Yeah. What this magnificent form is, and he motions to himself, that's more along the lines of what Travancore does. Hmm. And less along the lines of that specific spell. I am still me. I just look different. I just can do this without having to worry about it being specific beasts. I believe Travancore is limited on what he can actually transform into. But when he does, it's still him. It is still him. He also can bring these, these lions from the astral plane. And I've been wondering for a while because I don't think they actually want to be here. And it seems like we're pulling them out of a drama club literally every time. But that's a conversation for... For the lions. The lions. And another day. I did have a question. Sure. You're old. I'm older <laughs> than you. In a relative sense, yes, compared to most living beings, I would assume, well, you know what? I don't know if that's safe to assume. No, not every, I'm not older than everybody. I'm not even older than most other beings of my kind. Really? Where Uh, would you put yourself? Less than middle-aged, I think. There's certainly many that are much older than me. 30, flirty, and thriving? 
I'm not sure if I get that reference. It's okay. Most people don't. You sort of have to be of a certain generation, and then, you know, right time, right, right performance. Ah. Yeah. I have not been hip to that kind of crowd in a very long time. I try to keep up with what the young people are talking about, but most of the time they just bore me. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's the sign. But um, what I'm saying is, you're going to live a very long time. That's the goal. That, yeah, you know, like all things being equal and everything going according to plan. Do you bother to make friends? I mean, dragons don't seem like they like get together unless they do. Depends on who you're talking about. I mean, do gnomes like to get together or are you solitary creatures? Or does it depend on the specific gnome? Have you ever heard the term reproducing like rabbits? I don't know if that's a term as much as it is a descriptor that is very apt. I said earlier there aren't a lot of stereotypes about gnomes. Not about our appearance, but let me tell you, do we have the babies? We live for a very, very, very long time, and it takes us a really long time to get to the point at which we're not having kids anymore. We have massive families. We live in massive communities. We have so many, so many names. Let me tell you, you want to know something? I'm feeling petty. I'm not going to tell you what they are because it seems like the kind of thing that you would really, really enjoy knowing. I enjoy knowing all sorts of things. Whatever you want to tell me, Bernice, I'm more than happy to listen to. Oh, yeah. No, I know that. You know what's even more fun with someone like you is when you hold back information and they know it. But I'm not trying to be a dick today. I'm just going to tell you, before I joined my order, I had like 17 names. There's a lot. That's including some, but not all nicknames. Now, I am also an only child. Well, and that explains it. Your parents had to give you all the names they would have given all of their children. No, no, no. Oh, no, honey. Oh, oh, if only. No, that's just the thing. That's just the thing. That's just us. That's just, if I had like 17 siblings, let me tell you, there would be, I'm not doing the math in my head, but we're talking a lot of names. We're very creative when it comes to naming, but also incredibly repetitious. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, gnomes do get together, but I might come from some outliers. Well, and that's my point. I could tell you about The others of my kind that I know, but I certainly can't speak for us as a whole. I will say that I, at least, tend to like to have my space. And while I know others, I happen to have two siblings myself, who I have not seen in a very, very long time. Long for you or long for me? Long for me. Although not long enough, if I was being honest. Oh, But it's okay. We give each other the space that we need, and they know that if they were to encroach upon my space, that there would be consequences. And sometimes, how does the saying go, the best neighbors include the best fences? Good fences make great neighbors. That's, yes, it's a very good saying. Sometimes you don't even need the fence. You just need to know where the fence would be. But 
I believe that we are here, speaking of fences. And you turn and you have arrived at one of the gates into the city of the dead. And if you remember, it's kind of a, it's like most of the other wards of Waterdeep and where each area is kind of walled off and there are gates. Last time you were here, the gate was closed and there were shenanigans to get on in. But now it's the middle of the day. The gates are wide open and the two of you stroll on in and you've wound your way to one of the larger parks in Waterdeep where you see this very open area, a little hilly, but not bad. It's a little muddy because all of the snow has melted. And so while it is still brisk, there isn't any snow on the ground, at least in this part of the, the park. And you're squishing along through the mud because you've had to leave one of the paths to get to this area. And you see this very large, what would normally be area of a grassy picnic-like park, not far away from the wall that is one of the outer walls of Waterdeep and where the other side of the wall is the forest and the wilderness. And the reason it's not quite as pretty as, as it normally would be is there are workmen who have set up who are working on building a stage. And so there's, you know, stuff everywhere and noise and it's muddy because there's been people walking in and out. And Thunderbrex stands for a second looking at all of this and says, oh, not very impressive, is it? Well. Kind of muddy. And he moves back and forth in the mud and you hear his nice booze squish, 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 squish. Bernie says, When's the performance in real relation? So this would be at the beginning of your... Your break, you know that the performance is actually happening on the first of the month. And so it's about 12 to 13 days from now, because this is kind of at the beginning of your your break. You're like a couple days in. So I, Julia has a question. Yeah. In terms of the where this is situated, is it sort of in a natural dip, like a natural basin? Like, you know, the hillside goes down. Yeah, I think Hollywood Bowl, except not quite so dip. Like, this is a natural hilly part. And yeah, they've picked an acoustically-ish sound area that they're, they're building this stage in. So, Bernie, Julia is thinking about the uh, amphitheaters in, like, dotted across the ancient classical world where if you stand in the right spot, yeah, your voice, and Bernie says, well, I think it could use... Some work aesthetically, but if there's oh, a for clear sure. day, embraces. Let's go down to the stage and let's see how it's gonna sound. I mean, I guess that's all that's important. But I was kind of hoping for more, more grass, less mud. Look, there's a lot of druids in this city, and if all else fails, ugh, we know a guy. Gosh, I really can't make seekin-based promises here. But I think if I get enough duck feed, we could probably get a guy to make sure there was a lovely emerald carpet of grass. It would take very intense supervision. You know, there's probably someone else actually who can handle that spell that we can get in contact with. And if this is something that you're concerned with, honestly, I'd make a note and then send a very pointed and snarky list to your friends at the Amethystacomp. Acropolis. And don't tell them how you know any of this, but say, just, you know, 
write up a list of concerns that are mildly passive aggressive and I think that would do the trick. That's usually what I do and people get a little freaked out at how you know what you know. But why don't you stand and Bernie's going to like look around and she's going to we're going to do two things real quick. Do I have to so roll he's for, listened to, for knowing well, this? Well, <laughs> kind of, but no. You're, you say all this to him, and you do notice he, he gets a smile on his face. And then you're going to look around. The two of you have kind of walked down to the stage and have done that thing in where we're supposed to be here. We're walking in a way that is we know what we're doing. We're supposed to be here, so no one's really paying attention to you. And so you've walked up onto the stage, and you're going to take a moment to look around and pick the spot to put him to hear the acoustics so i would either like a perception or a performance check from you i'll tell you what you find because the problem the problem right now is it's not a finished amphitheater mostly what i want to know is if this would be something where you could um i feel like when it's finished maybe you could pass the whisper test well give me give me either a performance or a perception check one of those two well that was good 21 that's very good. Uh, yeah, so you can kind of tell from what's already constructed, what seems to be being constructed next, and it seems like at least the base of the stage is done. So you can see the, the footprint of where the stage is, and looking at the natural landscape around, you can kind of pick, oh, uh, no, acoustically, yeah, kind of the center back stage seems to be where the, the sweet spot is. You're not exactly sure whether when it's done, for those that don't know, the whisper test being that idea of you could stand on stage and literally whisper and anyone in the, in the concert hall or even in some of these outdoor amphitheaters could hear you. And there are places for that literally more than 2,000 years old yep. that you can go to today. I had a Latin teacher in high school who visited one, and there is video of her because she is a profession, also a professional opera singer. There is video of her singing opera in a perfectly acoustic, ancient, Greco-Roman amphitheater. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And I've, I've been to some of those uh, more modern places in where you can be in the right place on the stage and anyone can hear a, a pin drop. It's amazing. Obviously, this amphitheater hasn't been finished, and so you're not going to be able to get that, but you can get the sense. And so you find a couple of spots that right now, without the shell, without the rest of whatever's being built being finished, you find a couple of spots on the stage that are going to give Thontorvrak a good idea of what the acoustics will be. And you turn back to him and you notice that he's finishing casting a spell. And you know he's finishing casting a spell because... You actually hear him muttering under his breath, and I'll have some more notes later. That was quick. Well, you had a very good idea, and I figured, why write a letter when I've got her on my sending list? Bernie pauses it. You know what? Fair. If I had her on my sending list, it's better I don't, honestly. <laughs> what were you going to show me? Bernie says, stand right here. Oh, did you find an acoustic sweet spot? That's good to know. And he comes on over and stands and puts his shoulders back and says, Oh, yes, this is turning out very nicely. Once the shell is finished, it'll be a lot better. And then I'll have to figure out where I'm going to be. But they've definitely got the foundation correct. I guess if it's ugly, it doesn't really matter as long as it sounds good. I'm here for the way the instruments sound and not as much about the way they look. 
or the mud, as long as they don't get mud on the instruments. And you hear a workman nearby go, well, why you get mud on the stage? Come on, can you get off? Bernie says, buy a mop. And she looks at Thonterback and she says, look, I am actually very confident the instruments will sound good. You heard me poorly play the harp on the side of a hill and it was quite literally magical. So I think we're good there. And I would say the rest is just window dressing, but window dressing sells a lot of merchandise. You know what I mean? Also, the window dressing is also important for eating up some of the sound, whether that's what they want or not. And if I'm going to enjoy the performance from out there, and he points out to what hopefully will be the grassy lawn that people can sit on, and instead of up there, and he points behind him up to the wall, and basically to the top of the outer wall, it's good to know where I can get a very good view, because I do intend on having front row seats for this performance. I put in very lot of work and a lot of time, giving up a lot of things in order to let these instruments be played together here instead of in my auditorium, but... Wait, you have an auditorium? No, I mean, why am I surprised that you have an auditorium? I, I don't know why you're surprised by anything. Is this like, did you, you just go to performances by yourself? Well, yes, you don't necessarily go to a performance to talk to other people. You go to enjoy the performance. So why would I care who I go with? Oh, but have you ever been to a really good play? Like a really good comedy? And it's yes. really funny. But it's so much funnier because everyone around you is laughing. Yes, but that's different. That is enjoying a shared experience with a bunch of people. I'm saying I don't care who I go with or that I go alone because it's not like in the middle of a performance I'm going to turn to that person and start to talk. Oh, God, no, never. But it's like when someone dies on stage and it's so engrossing and all of your emotions are magnified tenfold because the person next to you is also crying. And you can feel, you, you have to know this, you're an incredibly magical, powerful being. Emotions from other beings are actually powerful. And ma there's a lot of magic within emotion. And it does, in fact, usually if it's really good and the performance is good, you don't have to talk to the person around you at all. You just have to feel the dance, right? The, the, the reaching out of someone else's soul to yours. You feel that? Absolutely. Maybe I am mistaking what you are talking about. I don't go to performances and bring people or other beings, but there are other people at the performance, just like there will be for this performance. I'm going to come, but I won't be the only person here. Yeah, but I'm talking about your amphitheater at home. You send out community Look. I, we both acknowledge that you do have friends and siblings who on occasion you can stand to be around. But I will say, judging by the reaction of my friends and many people, you don't seem like the kind of dude that invites a large crowd over to his ca cave? Cave house place? No, Amphitheater not to watch performances and then you sit there and you're all alone? It's really nice, but... 
No, there are very few people who I would allow into my private space like that. There was a moment where I thought I was going to give that invitation to Travancore, and then he seemed to change his mind. I still don't exactly know why, but Hmm. we'll see. Yeah, I can talk to him about it. That is a different type of performance, and uh, no, not a lot of people are allowed in there, but it is not the only place that I enjoy hearing live performances, and you do understand and speak truth when you talk about the power in an audience and how many people there will be here listening. And you you watch as Thunderwreck kind of cocks his head and looks around, and he looks like he's appraising something. And then he looks back at you and says, the acoustics right here are actually quite good. I think people well outside of this area are going to be able to hear this performance. They've certainly picked a very, very good spot. I wonder if this is going to be magically amplified as well. How many people do they expect to come to this performance? You know, ever since you took over direct contact with our mutual person who could be called a friend, I guess, if you have a very wide definition of friendship, um, they have sort of cut us out of all that. I'm going to buy a really nice dress. I'm going to hope that they allow alcohol within the amphitheater. And that's about it. I'm going to tell them there's tickets reserved for me. And then I'm going to sit wherever I want to put my butt. Let's move away from the part that amplifies your voice. Uh, Bernie was hoping to end this with the um the place equivalent of I know a guy, but she's got, she says, I've got something cool that I want to show you that I believe will prove my point about window dressing, but also let me ask you a question. He nods, but he lingers in that spot for another moment. And give me an insight check. We got a 13. So you say, I've got this other question, I want something, and there's something I want to show you. And you start to walk off expecting him to follow. And when he doesn't, you look back. And you don't catch all of the thoughts that are obviously crossing his face. And you think for a moment that maybe the only reason that you are catching any of his emotions and thought process with your intuition is because he is now in this more humanoid form. Maybe it's he's having a harder time schooling his features, or maybe you're just having an easier time reading it. You're not sure. There's concern there for just the briefest of moments as he is glancing across the fields. And then he blinks and looks at you and says, anything, my dear, let's get off the stage and stop getting mud all over these fine people's performance area. And he starts to follow you back out. So they're walking out and their voices are no longer potentially amplified. Brainy says, you brought up an interesting point. I do that often. And I am suddenly mildly concerned. Oh? You know a lot about the bardic instruments. Tell me, could a performance like this be used to cast a spell on a very large group of people, places, things, animals? Oh, absolutely. Did you not attuned to the instrument when you had it? Yeah, yeah, I did. I guess technically I'm still attuned to it. I mean, technically you're not, but I, if you want to say that, I think that's funny. I think that'd be funny if you did. Dr. Breck will give you a look. Bernie, Bernie assumes that if she meets the instrument, it's going to be like when you see, see a dog that you've met before and it goes, friend, 
You also do, yeah, you also do remember that there was a problem with your attunement, which is you had to be a bard. Yeah. So you you passed the she does check. karaoke. Yeah, you passed <laughs> the check in order for it to not reject you, but uh, you do know that you weren't able to glean all of the things about it in uh, because you're not a bard. Do you have any reason to believe that this performance will be used that way? I'm going to roll something real quick. Give me a second. Does Bernie need to roll like a persuasion? A, we had a really fun day. Uh, no. I'll, I'll say your insight picks up that the, the pause that he's having is a consideration pause. He's basically considering that question for what might be the first time. So this, this isn't like he's considering whether he's going to answer. He's actually pondering the question. I'm just going to roll something real quick to see what he decides on. I don't know a lot about what they're going to be doing. I do know all of those instruments are able to cast quite a variety of powerful spells. Nothing that is unknown to anybody. But I do wonder what they're playing. I would have to assume that they'll be taking precautions, that there are competent, well, I don't have to assume, I know all of the bards that they're bringing on in, and they all seem to be very competent bards who are not going to accidentally set something off. But I do wonder what they're going to be performing. Do I know that? I feel like we know what music, no? Okay. You do not know exactly what they're playing. Okay. I don't know. It would be weird, though, if your leaders were to put together an entire performance to cast a spell. It certainly would hit a lot of people, but, I mean, how are they to know that I was one of the people who was picking up instruments? That's true. So there's sometimes where you have a plan and then something comes in and it throws a wrench in it, or it becomes a very, very convenient opportunity. And I'm not trying to be paranoid, and I will be fully upfront with you. Our mutual friend is somebody I don't generally like very well. You're talking about Balan Zadok, Yeah, right? I don't like her. It's don't like her and don't trust her, but I think that's me. I, you know how sometimes people share your system of values and general goals in life, but you're just like, mm, as a person, you stay over there. I am best case scenario, that's it. And I'm kind of hoping that you're actually friends with her and everything's great. But the thought that did occur to me is that she is really, really well trusted in Waterdeep. And so is everyone else with this performance. With the sole exception of if I was going to cast a spell on a group of people and get away with it, it'd be really nice to have a scapegoat. I mean, all of that is true, except for the part about me being friends with Balana Zedok. She is at best... See, I thought she was friends with you. Or at least with Jonathan. I guess a work acquaintance? I guess She's if... his boss. She's his boss. That's terrifying. And suddenly I feel pity towards Jonathan. I should tell him that and then laugh. Anyway, Maybe no. he's... It's a sort. I poke that wound a lot. I wouldn't... Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll save that for when he's being impertinent. Anyway, yeah, I don't actually, find yeah, her... yeah, do that. I like that. <laughs> I don't find her particularly impressive or enjoyable to interact with. However, I know that she is approaching me not as an equal or as someone that she should respect, but as competition. That's weird and dumb. Well, she was going after these instruments the same way I was. And so while I 
decided that it was an enjoyable competition and was good to have a rival that was going to push me to be better and push me to find better people. She apparently took it personally, and uh, that's okay. I enjoy needling her about it, but no, friends? Hardly. Well, given everything you've said, I am not going to let my biases get in the way, but if she does view you as competition, well, I would make my list of suggestions incredibly long and tedious. Well, every time I cast Sending, I've got another 25 words to put towards it, so we'll see what else I can put there. But I would like to know, and this whole time that you've been with... We're walking towards the place. Yeah, you're walking towards the place, but like the the whole time since you've seen, since Oscar has shown up, he's been mostly jovial. He's been friendly and smiling and sometimes mischievously smiling but like obviously jovial and and enjoying himself and this moment right now is one of only two moments in where you see that it's not a facade but it's definitely the the what he's been portraying drop for a second as the first time was when he was standing on that stage kind of eyeing the number of people and the second is right now as he says out loud, as though he's talking to you, but also as though he's almost thinking out loud, the smile fades and a look of concern comes over his face. And he says, I would like to know what they're going to be playing. But I guess I'll add that to the list. And the smile reappears and he is jovial again. He says, and we'll see what Balana has to say about the, the list of things that they're going to perform. I hope it's something new. I hope it's not something old and tired that we've heard again and again. Ugh, they always want to play the classics and don't want to play anything new. But what was it that you wanted to show me? So this is, this is my I know a guy but for a place. And since it's, I assume I won't have to roll given it's like very low stakes. <laughs> so Bernie would like to prove her point about window dressing being more than just window dressing. And they have walked through to some of the i would say probably older parts of the 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 olmstead <laughs> the okay. olmstead necropolis and she is taking him to a whispering bench which for what there's different names for it i think sometimes they're called sometimes i think they are actually called lovers benches which doesn't really go a long way in um does not a point to my this is not a date theory there's a very um wind in the willows-esque area that it's like this place is in the sun so like all places in the north the sunny places bloom first the shady places still are melting this place you see tiny little buds on the, you know, like, you know, the kind of Japanese magnolia trees that start to bloom flowers first before you really even see a lot of leaves. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a folly, right? This isn't, this isn't some ancient place. This is designed to look ancient. And on this place, there is, like, amongst the trees with kind of a hill backdrop. So everything is quiet. And it is the acoustic opposite of an amphitheater in that everything around it is designed to dull sound. And then this place and this folly, there is a U-shaped bench and it's carved out of 
stone and it is curved in a specific way so that one person sits on one end of the bench and one person sits on the other and you can whisper from one end to the other and the other person who is many feet away actually can hear you because the si- the sound is designed to travel around the shape of the bench and reach them and bernie like has a feeling that we've had enough sun enough break in the weather enough warm days that this will also look the part. Mm-hmm. There's like the the parts the folly where someone always has like a random arch and like some like Doric columns and you're just like why is this here? And it's just like it looks good, right? The willow branch hangs over it and there's the snow is melted and there's little tiny bits of dry leaves still left and it's got that ancient feel. This would be perfect in the city of the dead. You you'd probably have several of these. Absolutely. And Bernie goes, acoustics and window dressing. That's my point exactly. Why can't it be both? But, you know, I don't know in the hurry to get this performance on. And he very pointedly sits at one end of the bench where the whispering can happen. Like, as he pauses. Do you sit at the other? Yeah, of course. And as soon as you sit, he lowers his voice. And you still hear him because the acoustics are perfect. He says... Maybe in the rush to have this performance happen, all they cared about was the sound and not the look. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Beings who only live for 50, 60, 70 years, they don't have a lot of time to think about that kind of thing. Maybe waiting the extra couple of weeks was too much. Bernie says, the look is part of the magic, but might not be a lifespan thing. You know, human beings start building buildings that are not going to get finished before they die. They build a lot of things for longevity. And she sort of like gestures to the bench and she says, now there are a lot of these here. Wow. A lot being more than two. But this one is the best one. Let me show you why. I want you to lay back and I want you to open your mouth. And Bernie is going to show him the best part about this whispering bench, which is it's curved in such a way where you can roll grapes around it and it bounces up into your mouth. And that is my I know a guy. It's a great whispering bench because you don't because because you can play a fun food game and you just don't think about the dirt. It's the five seconds. <laughs> do you explain the whole thing with the grapes first or do you just no, ask him? No, she to... just rolls a grape. <laughs> OK, do you, do you actually pull out a grape? Yeah, I got a basket of snacks, man. Okay, so when you ask him to lay down and open his mouth, he gives you a very concerned look. A concerned in the way of, not concerned for himself, but concern of what the hell is going on. And you pull up the grapes and you watch as his eyes travel around the bench and then he schools his features and nods and lays down in the perfect position. It's a good day. This and is then a you good, roll some this grapes. is how you spend the day. They this is explore, they spend the rest of the day rolling grapes. Yeah. Like, then she's like, here, like we'll we'll explore the the rest of the 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 city of the dead. And Bernie will add a few passive aggressive points to his list where she is incredibly specific on the word. And you two have a lovely morning that is very um friendly with that hint of shared spite. Definitely you stop a couple times so he can cast sending just so he can send another list of suggestions about the amphitheater. 
And yeah, the rest of the conversation is just very innocuous and light. And then as you reach the gate, the city of the dead, and he stops as you're heading back to the Golden Rock Tavern. And he stops and says, ah, my dear, this is where we must part. At least until the performance. I don't know where I will be sitting. I just know I will be close. Hopefully I will see you there. I don't know if you will see me. I haven't decided what outfit I'll be wearing just yet. Probably not this one. I got mud all over it. And he gestures down at his boots. And as you look down at his muddy boots, you see his uh, hand wave and prestidigitation is cast. And suddenly they are clean. And when you look back up at him, it's almost as though he's a little translucent. Hmm. It's weird. It's like you can kind of see through him. You watch as his eyes gaze around and there's really no one around in this specific, at this specific gate. You're kind of half alone for a moment. And then he looks back at you and says, but I promise you I will be there. And I appreciate the tour. Bernie says, if you're going shopping, and she actually gives him directions to the gnome district. And she says, try one on for size. And then she says, don't be an asshole. This was a wonderful day. And she turns around and walks into Gaston. As you turn around and walk away, the last thing you hear is, is him laughing. You could swear that even though it's coming out of a, a dwarf body, that it rumbles down the street a little bit louder than you were expecting. And you hear him say, oh, I make fun of everybody. That's half the fun of it. But it's all in good performance jest. See you soon. And when you turn around, he's gone. Hmm. Interesting. And that's where we'll pause. And the next time we get together, it'll be the four of you in the tavern catching up with each other and what you've been doing over the last 10, 10 and a half, 10 day. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, aka Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.